Welcome to the ACC Basketball Report. I'm your host, Michael Hunter, also known as at Pecone36 on Twitter, coming at you from a nice, brisk 33-degree day in the Triangle this morning. Got uh, a lot of stuff for you today, a big show. Uh, had a straggler of a game last Sunday. I'm going to jump right into the week in review. Uh, going back to last Sunday, FSU played at Miami. Uh, Dewan Hewell, 20 points, 8 rebounds. Bruce Brown finally broke out of his little mini slump with 23 points. Chris likes the microwave. Part two, uh, off the bench with 18. Brian Engel had 16 points. Phil Colfer with 11 uh, for FSU, who, you know, hit the road, in-state rival, dropped the game on Sunday. Wasn't a big deal at the time. We're going to touch a little bit more on that later. Uh, moving ahead to Tuesday, uh, Syracuse goes to Virginia. Syracuse falls despite winning the, uh, the battle on the glass and only turning the ball over seven times against that tough Virginia pack line defense. Um, but they shot under 30% from deep. Uh, when you get into a game with with uh, Virginia, you gotta to maximize your opportunities. I'm gonna talk about Syracuse a little bit more as we get into the show today. Uh, gonna be one of the uh, topics of conversation for me uh, this morning. Uh, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, Devin Hall combined to go for 50 points. UVA goes 19 to 22 from the line. Uh, you know, if, if Virginia puts up 70, they're probably gonna win the game. Uh, this team looks like. Maybe the only team in the conference that can go against Duke. We're going to find out in two weeks from yesterday on the 27th. Uh, I can't remember where that game is being played, but the Duke-Virginia game is going to be one of those games that's uh, must-see TV. Uh, also on Tuesday, Boston College goes down to Chapel Hill and gets bitch-slapped by Carolina, who comes out and makes a statement. Uh, Carolina wins by 30-96-66. to 66. Uh, really taking advantage of that depleted Boston College front line. Nick Popovich only played, I think, 16 minutes, less than 20 anyway. Three points, four boards, uh, not a whole lot of production there. UNC had 20 offensive rebounds at plus 31 on the glass for the game. Luke May goes crazy for 32 points and 18 rebounds for another double-double. Uh, Jerome Robinson breaks his three-game streak of 25 or more against ACC opponents. He only put in uh, 15 on the day. Kai Bowman with another solid game, becoming one of the best and most watchable players in the conference. Uh, Boston College seems to be fading a little bit. Uh, did uh, did get a win yesterday at a conference, but against a shit opponent in the Ivy League, uh, Dartmouth. Uh, we're going to move to Wednesday, which was the uh, the midweek big big day, the big slate. Uh, Notre Dame went to G Tech, shorthanded still. Uh, we talked last weekend that Matt Farrell may make the trip, may dress, may play. Unfortunately, I don't know if he had a setback. I don't know if it's not uh, not healing as well as they anticipated. But uh, once again, obviously, they don't have Colson, they don't have Farrell. Notre Dame made a game of it, 53-60. G-Tech wins at home once again. Uh, Martin Gevin, 16-9. Notre Dame did go 4-18 of 18 from deep. Uh, Josh Okoge with another you know, typical Josh Okoge game. 17 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds, 2 blocks, and an assist. Um, I'm sorry, and a steal. He actually had... Uh, he actually had five assists and a steal. Uh, G-Tech at home, again, proven to be one of the tougher places to play in the conference right now because they make the game so ugly uh, that uh, the kids are back in session, finals are over. G-Tech typically plays better after finals uh, when uh, they get that Thriller Dome rocking. Again, that defense on the night, seven steals, six blocks. Uh, tough to overcome for a shorthanded Irish team. <laughs> Duke uh, Duke recovers from the NC State loss. They go to Pittsburgh. They win by 35, 87 to 52. Uh, Duke allowing a season low in points to a Pittsburgh team that uh, I can't remember what I had on the site for a stat, but they're in the 300s as far as points scored. 
uh, per game. Just a, just a terrible, terrible offensive team. Uh, not much size to speak of outside of Shamil Stevenson, who's kind of playing out of position. He's kind of a combo forward. Uh, in this particular game, Jared Wilson frame led the Panthers with 17 points. Louisville goes to Florida State and actually gets the win. Uh, Louisville has six players with eight points or more. Terrence Mann goes for 25 for FSU. C.J. Walker continues to be an enigma to me. Uh, zero points in 27 minutes in this game. Florida State wraps up an 0-2 week. Um, you know, not not good for them. You know, this was a team that I was holding on last week. Um, I don't really know what to say. I know I'm selling Louisville last week. I'm holding Florida State. Florida State looks like shit. All of a sudden, Louisville's a world beater. Um, you know, Louisville has the talent. There's a reason that I picked them number two in the conference, in the preseason conference. You know, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't heavily swayed by uh, the departure of Brian Bowen. But, you know, obviously Rick Pitino had something to do with that. They obviously have talent. I'm just not sure David Padgett has it all figured out. But to get a road win in Tallahassee, something that few people do. I think uh, Florida State had won 28 straight games, um, regardless of competition in that building. So obviously, uh, you know, it's not something everybody can do. Uh, Louisville goes down, shoots the lights out, and gets the win. Uh, Virginia Tech gets back on track, goes down to Winston-Salem, beats a uh, struggling Wake Forest team, 83-75. Virginia Tech has 20 assists on 29 made field goals. Ahmed Hill, 21 points, uh, five players in double figures for the Hokies. Wake Forest, uh, Brian Crawford, if he has if he has a bad game, Wake's going to lose. Uh, he can't be Superman every game, and sometimes even when he is, they play so badly on offense and so irregular and inconsistent, and they're not really doing much, which I've said before. You know, Crawford goes four for 13 for 10 points. Did have five rebounds, four assists, but also had four turnovers. Darrell Moore had his fourth double-double of the season, going for 12 and 13. Um, maybe the lone bright spot this year for Wake is, is his production, but it's kind of going for now. He's going to be one of those guys that that uh, they're able to to produce and and develop, and they're going to waste four years of Darrell Moore being a solid center. Um, well, let's say two years. He'll be solid this year. Next year, he was kind of shitty his first two years. Uh, moving into Thursday on the one-game slate, Clemson. Uh, a team that I moved into the top three. I thought maybe there was three solid teams at the top of this conference um, that that could carry, that I, that I would feel confident going into the tournament. We had three three solid teams, maybe going to the Final Four. Brad Brownell had me as a believer. Um, they go into Raleigh and Omari at seven. You know, looks like Dirk Nowitzki going five for six from deep, puts up 29 points. You know, every game he plays... He looks more and more like the guy that they anticipated him to be last season. Um, I certainly didn't expect him to go for 29. Not against that Clemson front court. Not against Eli Thomas. Not against Dante Grantham. Not against Mark Donnell. Um, that was a shock. Uh, NC State gets the win, 78-77. to uh, NC State did all they could do to try to give the game away, though. They turned the ball over uh, in the last piece of the game on an inbounds play. Uh, Gabe DeVoe gets fouled in the corner on a three-point attempt uh, to tie the game. Goes to the line, makes two. Kevin Keats calls a timeout, ices him. DeVoe misses the free throw. NC State escapes. Uh, still trying to figure out how to win. Uh, they've got good news coming, which I'll talk about here in just a little bit. Uh, they get Virginia this afternoon on the lone ACC game today on Sunday. Uh, moving into yesterday's slate, Georgia Tech goes to Pittsburgh. Uh, open up the game 19-1, to 25-5. 
Uh, Pitt makes a little run, and then uh, GTEC kind of cruises the rest of the way, getting the win going away, 69-54. to 54. Uh, GTEC moves to 3-1 in the conference. Pitt goes to 0-5. GTEC's now the number two team in the ACC, which, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I would have, uh, I probably would have bet money that uh, you'd never see that happen. A.D. Gay is a player that I should probably apologize to. He was a guy that signed with, with Brian Gregory. He was the number... 340th player in the country, something to that of that effect. Um, under Eric Reveno, this kid looks to develop, to have developed into a solid ACC player, which is something that I never would have said before the season. He's a redshirt junior, and right now he's looking like the answer as far as who's going to step in next year when when Lammers graduates and goes away. Um, I I was never high on him. I've been critical of him in the past. Uh, and right now, you know, he's making me look foolish. He did have a technical yesterday, which if anybody watches GTAC, anybody is, you know, familiar with Josh Pastner and his history, he's, he doesn't swear, he doesn't curse, he, he you know, he's a very uh, military-like personality, and he freaked out. I don't know what AD said, I would love to know, but uh, it, it brought something out of Pastner, you could actually hear it on the television of him just chewing his ass. And you know, and then, and then GTEC kind of looked like shit for a few minutes, and he put him right back in two minutes later, so he must have gotten over it. Uh, yesterday, Duke at home against Wake Forest uh, gets the 18 point win, 89 71. Marvin Bagley with another 30 point game, 11 boards, four steals, three blocks, just you know, doing it all for that Duke team. Um, uh, Darrell Moore, you could see this one coming, you know, going up against a front line like that. He had four, four fouls in 17 minutes played. Crawford did bounce back from his uh, disappointing game earlier in the week with 21 points. I didn't watch this game. It was not something I'm really interested in. If I don't have to watch Wake Forest play, I'm not going to. There was plenty of other options yesterday, such as uh, Clemson hosting Miami. Uh, Clemson gets a nine-point win in uh, a, a matchup of two top 20 teams. I actually just watched this game a few minutes ago. Clemson is impressive. Miami is not. Uh, you know, the, Miami is possibly the second most talented team in the conference behind Duke. I, I have no no trouble saying that, no trouble admitting that. And you look at that team play basketball, they don't have a point guard. Uh, Jaquan Newton's playing out of position. Uh, I thought Chris Likes might be the answer, but he doesn't, you know, Larinaga doesn't want him to play with those other three perimeter guys. And He's more of an offensive spark plug, a Dennis Johnson, you know, a microwave player, instant offense. He's going to come in there. He's going to do something crazy and nail a couple threes when he shouldn't be hitting them and take shots that he shouldn't be shooting. Um, Bruce Brown yesterday, yeah, Bruce Brown yesterday uh, goes one for eight, five fouls, two turnovers. Uh, Miami actually only has five assists in the, in the entire game, one in the whole first half. Uh, you know, the, the one positive for the Hurricanes yesterday was Lonnie Walker looked like a legit NBA lottery pick yesterday. He's done it a couple times this year. Uh, he struggled a bit down the line, uh, down to the end. Uh, Miami tried to kind of go one on five, give him the ball against DeVoe and get out of the way. Uh, you know, he missed a couple free throws, missed a couple layups. But he also made some shots and did some things that show you why he was a top 20 player coming out of high school. Um, you know, aside from his hair, obviously, because he's got top 10 game when it comes to his hair. But, uh, you know, this kid, he's a one-and-done kid that I actually spoke about how disappointed I've kind of been in his performance up to this point in the power rankings on Friday. He came out yesterday, he showed something. He, you know, he didn't lead him to victory. He only had 16, he, you know, and he didn't go for 30 or anything crazy like that. But the way he scored the ball, 
Uh, he's a three-level scorer. You know, he's a big kid on the wing. He's a good defender. He's got the athleticism to obviously get better. And as he gets older, as he gets more mature, that, this kid's going to be a star. I see him as an NBA lottery pick. Probably this year he's going to go. Um, he's going to be one of those kids, if he doesn't go in the lottery, that you're going to see him become a star somewhere else, uh, kind of like Kawhi Leonard, something like that. He has that kind of talent, that kind of upside. Uh, for Clemson, you know, uh, Dante Grantham, ho-hum, 18 points, 6 rebounds. Marquise Reed, 16 points. Uh, one of the biggest and, and things that I have actually overlooked this far in the season is uh, Michigan transfer, graduate transfer, Mark Donnell as an addition, uh, giving them some, some backcourt, uh, some front court depth behind Eli Thomas, who once again yesterday, I think he only played 19 minutes or something crazy like that. Donnell comes in yesterday, 12 points, hits two big threes in two key spots uh, in that game, and, you know, essentially put the game away for them. Maybe not put it away, but gave them some breathing room. And uh, Miami, once again, struggling on offense. All that talent, and they can't put the ball in the hole. Uh, Dewan Huell had another solid game yesterday, but it seems like when Walker plays well, Brown doesn't. When Brown plays well, Walker doesn't. And I don't really know what the answer is. I have faith in Laranega. I think he's one of the best coaches in the conference, but they've got to get it turned around. they got to get it turned around quick. They're 2-2, two and two, I believe, in the conference right now. Uh, flipping over here, yeah, Miami's 2-2 two and two in the conference, 13-3 overall. So it's not like they're... They're overly disappointing. They're going to be in the tournament, but they also might be one of those teams that uh, loses to a 14, team, 14 seed in, in the tournament. Uh, moving on to Florida State, I did say they went 0-2 for the week. They actually got a win yesterday in double overtime over Syracuse uh, in Tallahassee. Angola goes for 24 points. Phil Cole for 16. And JMCK comes off the bench to score 23. Uh, the big man back from injury, kind of easing back into it, uh, came alive yesterday and ate up that Syracuse front line. Uh, Tyus Battle yesterday plays 50 minutes, goes for 37 points. Uh, Frank Howard, 13 points. He fouled out four turnovers, only one assist from Frank Howard, which I'm going to touch a little bit on uh, Syracuse coming up. Syracuse has now lost four in a row and looks to be seriously regressing as the season as the season moves on. I'm going to talk about them here in just a minute. Uh, Louisville holds serve at home against Virginia Tech, 94 to 86. Uh, Kerry Blackshear goes for a double-double for the Hokies, 19-12. and 12. Justin Robinson with another good game, 23 points. Louisville gets 27 out of Adele, uh, 19 out of Snyder, and I think 16 out of King. Uh, this is a good game. I watched this game. You know, it, it's a it's another another example. Virginia Tech's front court's killing them, man. They got no depth. Uh, Kadeem Sai, you know, not a great player last year for them, but, you know, quality depth. And, you know, you're going to run out Mahmoud and Malik Williams and Ray Spaulding and B.J. King, and you're going to run these guys at a team like Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's really going to struggle. Louisville looks like they might have rounded the corner. They might be a solid number four, possibly a number three for me next week in the power rankings, um, depending on what happens this week. It looks like they're starting to come together. I was a week early on writing them off. They were my sell team last week. Um, if they can hold serve this week, it looks like they're uh, they're making a run for that top tier of the ACC. Uh, I had UNC at three on Friday. They go down to South, or go over to South Bend and uh, get a one point win against Notre Dame. Notre Dame puts up 68 uh, in this game against UNC. Um, biggest thing I brought away from this game was Roy Williams finally went small. You know his, his starting five did not include uh, one of the big freshmen. Uh, it did have Johnson in it finally and. Not uh, not the most impressive effort, but uh, you know 
as they get acclimated to that system, I think it's going to be- benefit them in the long run. You know, Joel Berry is who he is. Kenny Williams is who he is. I think that team is going to be better off. If the, the more they play together, the better they're going to get. I think they're a solid 3-4 team in the conference. Um, I think UNC is going to kind of come together as, as Johnson still continues to knock that rust off. Luke May has struggled a little bit up to that double-double he had the other night. Um, he had not been shooting the ball well, but he looks incredibly confident right now. Um, as far as minutes go for those freshmen yesterday, Brandon Huffman didn't get off the pine. Garrison Brooks had 14. Sterling Manley only had 10. So... You know, it looks like Williams is finally making that switch. You know, he's a stubborn old goat. He, uh, it took him a minute. I'm sure he wanted to implement a system that has won him a, a couple uh, NCAA champions, championships. And, uh, you know, it's not working out for this roster. But as all great coaches do, he's adapting. He's making the most of his team. And he's putting them in the best position to win. Um, so that is the week in review. I want to move into what is going on with Syracuse. Last four games. Uh, Syracuse is a team that before the season, uh, when Thompson decided he was going to transfer, I was down. I didn't think they had much talent. I watched a bunch of tape on uh, O'Shea Brissett. I didn't think that he could play the three. I knew he could rebound, but I didn't know he could score. Uh, he, he still struggles from deep, shooting, I think, 26 27%, somewhere in there. Um, the uh, Pasquale Chukwu uh, character turned out to be a hell of a lot better than I ever anticipated. Uh, obviously, Frank Howard didn't do shit until this year. Now, all of a sudden, he's a world beater. But um, last four games, they really struggled. They're own four, uh, one and four to start the start league play. And looking at some of their stats from the last few games, the the biggest thing that I can see is obviously just their shooting uh, shots they were making early in the season. They're not right now. And between the trio of Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett, they're actually taking 83% of the shots the last four games. 83% of all field goal attempts for Syracuse are coming from that those three players, and they're all shooting a combined 38%. You know, that's that ain't going to win any games. You know, you could play in a shit conference like the Big 12, and that ain't going to win any games. <laughs> um, again, you know, this isn't a team that I was coming into the season that I thought was overly talented, uh, maybe a little bit spoiled by Howard's early play, by uh, Brissett's early play. As everybody knows, I'm a big Dolajai fan. He's getting zero field goal attempts recently. Uh, he's kind of fallen off. I think he's a he's a future star for them. And you know this team that, that might have overachieved in the non-conference uh, looked really well. Obviously, they have more talent than the typical non-conference teams. Um, but now we're in conference play. The competition level stepped up a little bit. They're they're just not getting it done. Um, and you know. Should have trusted my gut. Shouldn't have been fooled by what they did coming into ACC play. You know, I, I looked at turnovers to see if maybe that was a problem. Um, I have watched Syracuse play a few times this year, and I haven't seen a lot of turnovers, but I want to check the numbers anyway. They're only averaging about 14 turnovers a game, which isn't terrible. Uh, the number that stood out to me was Frank Howard is averaging four and a half turnovers a game, which is obviously something you want about half of that from your point guard, especially he's still over one uh, as far as assist to turnover ratio he's averaging uh, about five and a half assists per game but uh, over four turnovers from your starting point guard that's going to play that many minutes that's a lot that's that's a lot to swallow and uh, I'm sure that Bayheim is not real keen on how much he is how much he's turning the ball over obviously next year they get uh, talent influx with uh, with Jalen Carey coming in to run that point Howard probably move off the ball. Battle probably go to the three if he doesn't go pro, which he shouldn't do. And, uh, you know, 
Baisley that we've talked we talked about this last week. They're they're super talented next year. If everybody stays, this is a team that you're going to look out for, and uh, and and that's going to be must see TV. Something else I wanted to touch on today was I'm watching the Syracuse Virginia game the other night. I think it was Dan Bonner. I can't remember. I watched too many games. I don't know how to look it up. If somebody wants to tell me, that'd be awesome. Dan Bonner during the Syracuse game the other night said, uh, you know, the way Tony Bennett coaches, it's crazy to see Virginia have that much success because he doesn't really kill it in recruiting, but the development of players is astounding. Well, no, that, that's simply not true. Uh, the guys for ESPN have said some things this week that have baffled me. Um, in the Notre Dame game the other day, somebody, uh, uh, Anash, I believe, called Josh Akogi a former zero-star player during the game as Akogi's just lighting up the Irish for one of his typical crazy-ass games. Uh, Bennett has developed some players. Um, you know, London Parentis uh, is a player that, that, that flourished under Tony Bennett. Uh, Mamadou, uh, Mamadi Diakite is a player that is flourishing under Bennett. He's going to be a star next year. When Wilkins is gone, Diakite is going to slide into that spot, and he's going to be a star. So I hit 24-7 sports, and I went down, and I did a little did a little looking up. Now, Bonner cited two specific players when he made this comment, those two players being Justin Anderson and Malcolm Brogdon. So, the, you know, Dan Bonner doesn't, if that was him, again, I'm not sure, I'm 96% sure that it was him. Um, he's not paying attention. To his own company that does a recruiting service. Granted, ESPN of the three or four major recruiting services is one of the last places I'm going to go. Uh, you know, 24/7 is the best in my opinion, and then you know, rivals, scout, things like that. Uh, Justin Anderson was a four-star top 50 player. You know, m maybe an athlete. You know, maybe a little raw coming out, but the potential was there. The recruiting services saw this isn't a two-star kid. This isn't AD Gay. You know, this isn't a 300-plus player that shows up and, you know, hits the weight room and starts, you know, eating fruit and vegetables and all of a sudden he can shoot the fucking ball. That's that's not what this kid was. Justin Anderson was a good basketball player. He's in the NBA now. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon was another kid that did develop late. This is a kid out of Georgia that uh, Georgia Tech coach Paul Hewitt once said wasn't good enough to play at Georgia Tech. Nah. You know, and that's why Paul Hewitt's now a scout for the Spurs or whoever the fuck now. But, uh... You know, Malcolm Brogdon was a late bloomer, still a top four, uh, top 100 kid, a four-star kid out of Georgia. Some other guys that Bennett's brought in, Kyle Guy, five-star burger boy, uh, DeAndre Hunter, four-star, top 100, Ty Jerome, four-star, top 50, Devin Hall, three-star, the 122nd ranked player in his class, Anthony Gill, Anthony Gill former power forward, four-star, top 100 player, Joe Harris, three-star, top 150. So those eight guys, you know, I might be stretching a little bit with Hall and Harris. They're talented. I mean, there's 300 and however many teams in D1. You know, these, you know, multiply that by 13. That's how many kids are in D1. These kids are ranked in the top 50 of their class, or the top 150 of their class. So I just, you know, some of these guys, some of the talent that ESPN's letting go, I just wish they'd do their research. They're probably overworked. You know, one guy's probably doing the job of four as ESPN goes in the shitter. Um, but uh, I do it myself. You probably just heard me misspeak 15 times in the last 30 seconds. But uh, it's kind of funny to see what some of the stigmas are as far as Tony Bennett goes. They play slow. They play tough D. 
so everybody thinks that they don't have to be talented. Well, this is one of the best offensively efficient teams in the country, I believe. Last time I looked at Ken Palm, they're in the top 50. Uh, they don't run, so it's not, you know, it's not a sexy TV team to watch. And, yes, I just did the air quotes. Um, but they have talent. I mean, Kyle Guy is talented. He's a five-star kid. He played in the McDonald's All-American game. Just because he's got a man bun doesn't mean he can't play basketball, which I think we're finding out this year as the kid is just lighting it up. All right, I want to move into the free agent marketplace today. we got some uh, some moving and shaking going on in the conference. NC State uh, making some noise this week. Sean Kirk has transferred out of NC State and will enroll in UNC Pembroke, which I didn't know there was a UNC Pembroke. I've worked with some guys from Pembroke in the construction industry. Did not know there was a university there. I can tell you that much right now. Uh, biggest move into the conference of the week is former, I think he was a four-star kid out of Carolina. Uh, Blake Harris has transferred and committed to NC State. Uh, he's a former Washington signee when Washington had Michael Porter Sr. and Lorenzo Romar. Uh, obviously, Romar was fired before this season. Mike Hopkins came to town. And uh, Michael Porter Sr. followed Quanzo uh, Martin back to Mizzou, which is where Blake Harris later enrolled, uh, joining that crazy fucking recruiting class that Mizzou brought in this past year. Uh, Harris, you know, he's a kid. He went to 38 high schools in, you know, three years and played for 15 AAU teams. And, you know, not something that was difficult to see coming. Um, obviously, that Mizzou team is kind of underachieving. Uh, not being able to play with Michael Porter Jr. probably sucks, especially if you're a point guard. Um, Harris is a good player, uh, a little indecisive, I think. That's, I think that's fairly obvious. But, you know, a good player, averaged just under four points. Uh, he did have three assists, a couple rebounds in 14 minutes for Missouri. Um, started nine games, I think, for him. I'm not sure if it was uh, a homesick thing or didn't get along with with uh, with Martin. or I don't know what's going on, basically. I don't know, you know. You know, I read the story, I tell you guys, and you guys can draw your own conclusions. If you want to dig in deep and find out, cool. If you know Blake Harris and you want to let me know, cool. Shoot me an email. Shoot me a text. Uh, Brian Bowen, former Louisville player and center of the Adidas Scandal universe, um, has enrolled at South Carolina. And they will seek immediate enrollment uh, to get him eligible, get him on the court. There is no instance where I could ever see that happen. I do not think Brian Bowen will ever play NCAA basketball. I don't think Javon Quinterly will ever play NCAA basketball. Um, some of the other guys that, uh, DeAnthony Melton for USC, I don't think you'll ever see him step on the court again uh, in an NCAA capacity. Austin Wiley, he's gone. Um, he was recently ruled ineligible for Auburn as well. But back to Bowen, he's the kid that uh, reportedly received 100 grand for his commitment to to Louisville under Patino that Patino facilitated. Um, it, I said it before the season. I said, you know, it looked like, you know, if, if there was a shadow of a doubt and Louisville thought they could win the NCAA championship under Paget, they would have reinstated Bowen. And, you know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than beg for permission kind of deal. Um, if, you know, if they think they can win the banner, I'd rather hang the banner and take it down than not ever make it to the tournament, which... I thought that I thought Louisville wasn't going to make it last week. This week it looks like, eh, maybe. Uh, obviously, Frank Martin knows something that the rest of us don't. Um, Martin was part or, or implicated 
in this in this whole scandal, I believe, from his years at Kansas State. Um, I'm not sure what he knows. Maybe he's thinking, and this has always been a possibility when it comes to Bowen. It could be an instance where Bowen never received any money. It could be a situation where, you know, he had a handler, his dad, his uncle, his AAU coach, his priest, whatever, you know, hundred grand, somebody that's in his year pushing him to Louisville. Maybe they got money and he never knew about it. Do I think that's likely? Absolutely not. I mean, somebody comes to you and says, hey, you're going to Louisville. You probably ask why, unless he was already going there and somebody just made some easy money, which, again, I don't know. This is me speculating. This is what I do. I'm a construction guy. You know, I sit around on Sundays and I talk about college sports because my regular job sucks a fat cock. So, you know, it is what it is. I don't think you'll ever see it. It would be interesting. South Carolina is kind of underachieving this year, and it would be a good story for them. I'd like to see him play. He's a top 20 player. He's a talented kid. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Something I'll keep an eye on. Uh, it's not an ACC story, but uh, yeah, it's loosely tied. I'm going to keep an eye on it anyway. Eh, if you don't want to uh, if you don't listen to it, you can shut it off. Uh, former Duke player Jordan Tucker is going to announce his new school on Monday. Uh, sources saying on Twitter that uh, it's down to Butler and Georgetown. Heavy Georgetown lean here. Looks like he's going to Georgetown. Personally, I think he should go to Butler. Because I think Georgetown's a fucking dumpster fire myself. But And and Butler's Butler's just a good story. Butler's a team I can, I can get behind. Butler is a team that I root for outside of the ACC. I don't know why. I just... I don't know. I, I wanted Kamar Baldwin to come to GTAC. That was a big a big reason, I think. I like watching that kid play. He was a prolific scorer in high school, so he's one of my favorite players in college basketball. I think Jordan Tucker could go there and be Keelan Martin. When Martin leaves, I think Jordan Tucker could score 15 to 20 a game. He's that type of player, that type of shooter. He's got that type of long, lean, lanky, V.J. Beecham at Notre Dame type game. I think that's that's a really good comparison for Tucker. I think that's the type of player that you can expect from him. Um, that's about it for the free agent marketplace this week. You know, keep an ear to the ground. Some people are giving me some pretty good feedback. Uh, my DMs on Twitter obviously open. Uh, come at me with hate, discontent, tips, uh, suggestions, ways to improve the podcast. I welcome all comers. Uh, injury report. Getting kind of extensive. Obviously, there was one big story this week, but one that kind of went under the radar yesterday was Terrence Mann missed the Syracuse game. Syracuse still lost somehow um, with a concussion. I didn't know about this until I turned on the game this morning. I watched the play on Watch ESPN app. Um, that's huge. FSU gets a win without Terrence Mann. I didn't know he had a concussion until I turned the game on. Um, hopefully, he comes back soon. He's a good player, fun to watch. Uh, apart from MJ Walker, he's probably the, the best player to watch on that team. Brian Engel is a good player as well. But again, I was holding on Florida State, still kind of holding on this week after they go one and two in the week. They're not going to go far without Man, who is a fantastic defensive player, and also, you know, last few games, 24, 25, he, you know, he's really scoring the ball efficiently and well, especially now that Phil Kofer is, is kind of tailing off. They're going to need him moving forward if they're going to make a, legit, a legitimate run at the ACC title, as well as uh, as well as well an NCAA tournament berth. Uh, Matt Farrell yesterday did dress for the UNC game, but did not play. Uh, you know, it was a, a situation where Mike Bray said, in, in, this, in the case of an emergency, Farrell could play, but they weren't going to play him. 
Uh, I would expect him to play in their next game uh, if possible, but only if he's 100%. Uh, Notre Dame continues to be competitive without him, so it behooves them to, you know, they're still only three and one, three and two in the conference, I believe. Uh, looking at the standings here real quick. Did a little cheat sheet. Yeah, I mean, the three and two in the conference, 13 and five overall. They got a good win over Wichita State in the out of conference. Uh, you know, they have they have some 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 good uh, some good equity is a good word for it I guess uh, in in their resume where they can they can afford to wait now if they go you know three 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 four three five you know he's got to come back you know it, there are some saying that Bonzi Colson may sit the rest of the season he may never play for Notre Dame again that was not the impression that I got when he did an interview with Maria Taylor yesterday during the UNC game which by the way. Bonzi isn't listening to this podcast, but phenomenal fucking shirt that you had on yesterday. You know, celebrating Hawaii in South Bend, Indiana in six feet of snow. That was a great shirt. Glad to see that Bonzi still has a sense of humor. But uh, I did not get the impression that he was not working to come back. Uh, Jones fracture typically keep you up six to eight. Uh, if you heal quickly, it's still five to six. Um, if he can come back and they can get in the tournament, who knows what they could do? I mean, Colson's a world leader, man. He's he's a guy that can drop 30 and 20 and block five shots in a heartbeat. So, you know, I've always said that if I wasn't a G-Tech fan, I'd probably be a Notre Dame fan. I think Mike Bray's a really fucking cool guy. And uh, I'm rooting for them to get everybody back and see what they can put on the floor. Uh, you know, I'm a big Notre Dame guy. Um, Ryan Luther, uh, senior for Pittsburgh, double-double guy, uh, hard-working kid. The kid who's going to step on the court and outwork you and then probably walk away with your girl. Um, out for the rest of the season, ruled out by Pitt. He had a stress reaction or a stress fracture in his foot, I believe, that I did read a story a couple weeks ago. He saw zero improvement over over the last month as he rested it. Um, they will seek a medical red shirt and look for the ability for him to play next year. So as Syracuse gets older, they still have that senior leader, that senior, you know, talented 3-4 hybrid type uh, forward guy to lean on, um, which after watching him play last night, you know, that team desperately needs a leader on the floor. And on the bench, really, Stallings is, just continues to be a good coach. He's a dick. And, uh, you know, he may not be the answer. I mean, he's they're not going 4-1 and one in conference with him, whereas now they're 0-5. But they also would look like an actual ACC team with him, maybe. You know, maybe the difference between. I mean, they just lost to G Tech by 20. I mean, that's it's fucking horrible. G Tech's not a very good team. But uh, you know, maybe you know, maybe instead of losing by 35 to Duke, they only lose by 20. You know, he, he's that kind of player probably. Uh, Marcus Bolden and Javin Delorier. Uh, Bolden out with an MCL sprain. Delorier with a bad hammy. Uh, missed yesterday's game against Wake Forest. Uh, they're two top subs. It's not looking like it really matters, especially when you're playing a team like Wake Forest and Bagley goes for 30 and 11 and blocks 58 shots. And, you know, I'd expect Delorier back before Bolden. Bolden's been kind of fighting that MCL sprain for a year and a half. Um, but it is what it is. I, I, don't, I don't see Bolden as a huge loss. He's a good depth guy. Delorier, I think, is a better player. Uh, I'd expect, like I said, I'd expect him back sooner. But right now, they don't really need him. They can afford to let them rest. They can afford to uh, let Justin Robinson play, who's been, 
you know, I don't even know who this kid was until two games ago. He comes in and he gets like 12 points or something in, you know, 14 seconds of play. But, uh, you know, Duke just being Duke, when you stack McDonald's All-Americans, I guess you probably got some talent buried on that bench. Uh, moving along to some other notes now. This is about it for the injury report for this week. Uh, getting pretty lengthy. I did see uh, Dwan Hewell twist an ankle yesterday. We seemed to come out of it. So I didn't really throw it on there. But uh, something to keep an eye on. Who knows, maybe it blew up after the game last night. Uh, Curtis Hayward, again, still back for G-Tech. Looks continually rusty. I thought I see him limping the other night. Some people kind of denied that. But we'll see how that goes going for forward. Uh, other notes, Zion Williams. This is a kid who's going to be on the watch this week, next week. And if what happens next weekend is supposed to happen, we're going to talk about him for the next year and a half probably. Um, Zion Williamson has climbed in the crystal ball from 70% to 82% in favor of Clemson. Now, we've talked about the Kevin Knox situation from last year a little bit when we talked about the Jordan, uh, Jordan Tucker transfer. Um, if you don't know, Kevin Knox was 86-89% in favor of going to Duke. He was going to Duke. Everybody knew it. I knew it. You knew it. My grandmother knew it. She doesn't even know who the fuck Kevin Knox is. He went to Kentucky. All right, so that is what it is. Again, you know, kids recruiting, sacks of cash. Who knows? This isn't blue chips, but it might be. The one guy that you want to keep track of when you're on the Crystal Ball website, Evan Daniels. Some guys make last-second picks and claim victory. Evan Daniels is 49 out of 50 picks, good for 98% on his picks. He made his pick on the 4th of January. Now, something, if you follow Evan, uh, he's got a great podcast. Uh, he does a lot, of, a lot of notes for, I believe, Rivals, Fox News and Rivals. Um, he travels the world. He was the guy that, that, uh, that tipped me off to TASS. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember his, last, his first name. He's a St. Mary's recruit who uh, did an official visit to G-Tech who Daniels tipped me off on him. I watched a bunch of stuff, a bunch of tape on him. I really wanted him in Atlanta. Unfortunately, he didn't come. But he does international players. He travels the country. Uh, he's, he's a great follow. He's a great podcast if you guys have time. Um, anyway, back to him. Evan made his pick on the 4th of January. Evan typically releases a story on big-time recruits about eight seconds after they after they commit. So typically, Evan has the story already written. Evan probably didn't make that pick without having a story written. Now, he might have three or four stories written, which he's responsible. He's a journalist. He probably does something of that of that nature he probably has a you know we all knew he was going to Clemson article and then he has a in a surprise turn of events he's going to fucking Kansas you know um but you know that that's a big one that you know Evan Daniels uh Chris Fisher Andrew Slater these are the guys you want to watch Jerry Meyer uh these are the guys you want to watch in the crystal ball when they start changing their picks those guys are true insiders they know what the fuck's going on so pay attention to those guys. Evan Daniels making that pick 10 days ago and not touching it since tells me this kid's going to Clemson, um, which is going to be crazy. I, I just I, I can't even imagine what's going what's gonna to happen. Next year, that kid running up and down the floor in the ACC is going to be a sight to see. We're going to get our very own Charles Barkley. That's going to be crazy. Who the fuck's going to guard that kid? I mean, 6'6", 300 pounds, and we'll just... Like I said, tear the rim down and then beat you to death with it. Uh, moving along, charges against Markel Johnson have been dropped in Ohio. 
uh, under investigation for felony assault at a nightclub, something like that. Uh, Johnson apparently has flown back to Raleigh, been cleared to rejoin the team, um, and I have not heard whether or not he's going to play today against Virginia. I'm going to anticipate that he's going to. I don't know. I, I checked Twitter. I checked Wolfpack inside him this morning. No answers. Nothing really on him since the 11th when he flew back. He's with the team. I know that. Uh, whether or not he is going to play today, I don't know. They are not going to beat Virginia without him, I don't think. Not on the road. Not John Paul Jones. Um, he's the guy that is the point of attack on that press that Kevin Keats wants to use. Um, he's the guy that's going to guard probably Ty Jerome, if not Kyle Guy. Um, I don't think Al Freeman will guard Guy today. That's a game to keep an eye on. NC State's played well, but they typically play well at home. Uh, nobody goes into Virginia and wins. Not very often, anyway. Um, we'll see what happens. I'm going to watch. Hope you guys watch. We're going to talk about it next week. Obviously, it's going to influence uh, the power rankings one way or the other. Um, should be an interesting game. It's the only game on the slate today, so other than some Call of Duty and taking the dog for a walk, yeah, probably turn on the Virginia game. Moving along to my guys, the Yellow Jackets, the Ramblin' Wreck of Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Mark Price stopped by for uh, practice this week, working with uh, hopefully Evan Cole, <laughs> but uh, but uh, Curtis Hayward, both of them from Oklahoma. Saw some pictures on Instagram, which obviously uh, sparked some conversation about Price joining the Georgia Tech staff. Happens all the time. When he was a shooting coach, people wanted him in Georgia Tech. When he was a head coach, they when, when Gregory was fired, they wanted Mark Price to come to Georgia Tech. I do not want Mark Price at Georgia Tech. Why? Because Mark Price is Georgia Tech great. He started point guard you. I don't want anything to happen with Mark Price at Georgia Tech that's going to tarnish his legacy at Georgia Tech. He can go to the NBA, which is where I think he's going. He can be a coach at UNC Charlotte, where they're going to fire him too early and not pay him any respect. As long as he doesn't come to G-Tech and do poorly because he's never been a coach, he doesn't seem to be very interested in recruiting, I don't want him to come to Georgia Tech and they let him stay for five or six years and he, he's Brian Gregory for five or six years. Christ, I couldn't even deal with Brian Gregory for four years. You know, I would hate to not like Mark Price. I don't want to not like Mark Price. Um, I don't know what Georgia Tech is going to do about their open assistant coaches spot, which if you haven't been following, uh, Daryl LaBerry has been on administrative paid, paid administrative leave from the program for about a month. And maybe six weeks now. Um, something to do with a 2016 signee on an official visit that ended up not signing with Georgia Tech. A five-star guy. Big-time guy. There's only one guy that really matches that criteria. He's playing at Duke, and his name's not Marvin Bagley, but he's a 6'10 center. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. I'm not going to name any names. Draw whatever conclusion you want from that. What happened? I don't know. I've heard some whispers, but I'm not releasing it until some official story comes out. Here's what I expect. I expect five minutes after Georgia Tech loses in the ACC tournament, which is an eventuality, they're going to announce that Daryl LeBerry will not be back for the following season. Now, that said, I want Daryl LeBerry back. The guy is, a, from all I can tell on his Instagram page, his Twitter account, he's a hell of a guy. He's a family guy. He's a hell of a recruiter. The guy recruits the shit out of Georgia. He is, I believe, the defensive coordinator-ish for 
for GTAC. He's the guy. You know, he's the guy that, that landed Michael DeVoe. He's the guy that is, uh, you know, has a great relationship with all these kids on, on GTAC's roster right now. He is, he is that guy. When Pastner rides somebody's ass, Daryl LeBerry is the guy that smooths that over, I think. Now, again, this is all hearsay. This is all shit I've been told. I don't know. I don't know any of these fucking people. But this is what I've been told by people I trust. Um, when this, this kind of, I think he wouldn't have been let go or wouldn't be let go if the, uh, the Ron Bell bullshit hadn't happened, which we've been paying attention. Now, Passner is suing Ron Bell for slander. Ron Bell being the guy that uh, did Gary Parrish's uh, radio show and was the, the point of contact. Uh, for the Tadrick Jackson, Josh Kogi horseshit that went down early this season. Um, I don't know what's going on there. I've talked to Ron Bell a few times. Uh, you know, seemed like a really jubilant guy, really pleasant guy. Um, you know, maybe overly supportive of Pastner at times, which was kind of a red flag with me. He was really, really a nice guy. You know, he's the one that got me, a, he got me a Josh Pastner autograph picture. You know, he offered me game tickets. I had multiple conversations with this guy. And it turns out that, you know, he was, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, like I said, hearsay. Things I read. It's all available on Twitter. The whole world is available on Twitter. If you're interested, go find out. You know, I'm not going to insert myself in any kind of situation or any kind of story like that. Um, if you see a picture on Twitter that says, Coach Passner will never break the rules, I guarantee it. That screenshot is from my phone. That's a conversation I had from Ron Bell. That's the extent of what I know when it comes to Ron Bell and Josh Passner. That's floating around Twitter. You can find it almost anywhere. Uh, getting into some happier stories. Uh, Jairus Hamilton, four-star, top 70 player out of North Carolina, 6'8 combo forward, has committed to Boston College. Why, first and foremost? Well, it's because Jim Christian can recruit North Carolina, apparently. Jerome Robinson was a North Carolina kid. Kai Bowman, I believe, was a North Carolina kid. And now uh, this kid, who is a really good player, um, he had a Maryland offer, I believe, uh, and a Middle Tennessee State offer, I believe. I'm sure he had all kinds of offers, but those were his, those were his other top three. Um, this is a kid, like I said, 6'8", combo forward. Uh, he's going to be their starting four from the word go next year. If they have Popovich and Robinson and the kid whose name I can't pronounce from Europe and uh, Kai Bowman and Jordan Chapman, if all these guys come back next year, uh, Stephen Mitchell, I'm not sure if he's a senior or not, if all these guys comes back next year, Boston College might have a window of one year where they can actually make some noise. Um, eh, you know, uh, they shoot the shit out of the ball, which, you know, that's always cool. I don't know if this kid's going to step in and average, you know, 10 and 7, but he's a talent upgrade. You know, he he's not Deontay Hawkins, but he could be in three years. Now, granted, all those other guys I just mentioned will be gone, which is a good start. I think it's enough to, for Jim Christian to keep his job. They got another shooter coming in, uh, Winston Tubbs, who, you know, I don't know if he's an immediate impact type player. He's a talented kid. Um, nobody, nobody from North Carolina recruited Jerome Robinson, and look how the hell he turned out. So, this might be a Jim Christian job saver. I hope so. Like I said last week, I don't think they're going to get anybody better than Jim Christian. I think he's he's their best possible option. Uh, moving to back to Virginia, back to Charlottesville. Going to end the show on a good note today. Uh, after the Virginia Tech game on the 4th, uh, Tony Bennett actually awarded Justice Bartley a scholarship. Um, 
or just kind of a cool moment. Uh, I guess you could hear the kids in the locker room going crazy. This is a kid who is a junior walk-on, probably been in the program for a while. Uh, interesting fact about him, he's actually the godson of both Kenny Anderson and Kenny Smith, which is kind of cool, good lineage. Uh, G-Tech actually has a godson of Ken, or a nephew of Kenny Anderson in uh, walk-on John Brown right now, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, this is a kid that seems to be popular amongst his players, or amongst his teammates, and kind of a cool story, uh, similar to uh, you know Roy Williams giving Luke May a scholarship last year. Granted, that was more about Luke May's play in the tournament than anything else, but you know, still a cool story. I like to see good things happen to good people. So uh, I'm going to end the podcast on that today. You can catch me on uh, Matt's podcast tonight. I'm not sure when he's going to release it, but I'll be on the ACC podcast as well. Uh, be sure to check me out there. And I uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy the NC State-Virginia game today. It should be a good one, or at least on paper it should be. Virginia doesn't really blow people out. But, uh, oh, I wanted to get in real quick. I've gotten some feedback from some people, uh, some people I know, asking me about intros and outros. They're coming. I don't know shit about copyrights. You know, I've, I've looked at some, some music and some other things about doing my intro and making this more professional. Uh, one thing you guys need to understand about me is I kind of spontaneously jumped into this podcast without doing any technical work, kind of doing it on the fly. If you can't tell, I'm not really the most professional person. Um, so I'm, I'm working on radio. I don't know how to do it with this software. Even after I do get permission to use music or find a loophole in order to use music, I still don't know how to actually make it on the software. If you're in the triangle and you can do this shit for me, give me a call. That would be awesome. Um, but Poke, you know, shout out to Poke. It's coming. Uh, and right now it's looking like uh, it's looking like it might be a little public enemy. <laughs> but uh, I'm still looking for permission or the ability to do so. Uh, I also got some people working on my logo. Uh, you know, things like that are coming. I'm a, I'm a big Joe Rogan fan. Obviously, I'm a big Evan Daniels fan. You know, these are the guys that I'm trying to, to craft this podcast after. You know, I'm trying to make it as professional as I can. It's something I want to do possibly for a living. You know, obviously that's a ways down the road. That's my aspiration. That's where I want to go. I'm trying to make this a very popular podcast that is very professional that you guys can come to to get information that maybe you wouldn't otherwise receive. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoy the game today. I'll see you next Sunday. Again, check out Matt's podcast tonight, and uh, hopefully uh, get some good info out of it, get something out of it. Cool. Have a good one.